We live inside a dream. Kiss me beneath the milky twilight, lead me out onto the moonlit floor, lift your open hand, strike up the band and make the fireflies dance, silver moon sparkling, so kiss me. Welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two favorite wimps who like Kubrick and Lynch. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Eric, I did not notice what that was until the very end. I was like, (laughs) this sounds very familiar at like... It's. I just thought I was in on the joke, and it turns out I wasn't until you got me by surprise, my dude. When I looked up the lyrics, it is one of those songs where you just like have like you like know that you've known that song for years, but you've never known what the actual words are. Yes, <laughs> just <laughs> that like is the correct. phonetic sounds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Also, Milky Twilight. What the hell does that mean? Um. Let's just say. The, the two main characters of Killer's Kiss had a milky twilight at least once in this film, if you know what I'm oh, yeah. saying. <laughs> yeah, they fucked. Yeah, 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 exactly. Milky twilight means fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this is uh, Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates. This is a podcast about David Lynch and Stanley Kubrick. We're going uh, back and forth. This is a Stanley Kubrick episode. And we're kind of going chronologically through their uh, through their filmography. So... Uh, last week we did Eraserhead, the very normal, uh, movie from, uh, David Lynch. Very fun episode. Uh, if you haven't seen that movie, uh, you should watch it because it's a fucking masterpiece. Uh, and today we're talking about, uh, Killer's Kiss, which is, uh, uh, Stanley Kubrick's second directorial, uh, feature film. I guess he's done some fucking, like documentaries some short documentaries yeah. um but this is a second feature length film uh you're you're using the word feature length here pretty uh uh liberally here pal uh yeah i think it's With, very, well, what else would this be is it, this a short no no no, no. Short it, film? It, it is a feature length film i just think it's funny that uh stanley kubrick's sophomore film cut 30 minutes from his freshman film that was only an hour and a half long. So this 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 feature length film is 1 hour and 7 minutes with credits. <laughs> I got to say I and I will say shorter. right off the bat <laughs> I liked I did like this movie oh, good, significantly yeah. more than I liked uh Fear and Desire. Yes. Uh, although I will say in both circumstances I was glad that both films were not <laughs> like a full 90 minutes. I, I totally agree with you. I liked this film a lot more than Fear and Desire. Uh, and I guess spoilers for later on. We are still not out of the woods yet with Kubrick figuring himself out. This is another right. this is another like attempt at figuring out what filmmaking is for Mr. Kubrick. And I would say, you know, this film has a lot more to offer than Fear and Desire, but it is also lacking 
a lot of key Kubrickian yeah. elements, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, he still hasn't figured out how to take the lens cap off the camera, <laughs> yeah. so it's just yeah. all black. Well, I mean, you joke, but like, still the same absolutely terrible ADR in this film yeah. that there was in the last. <laughs> like, there is a, like kind of an interesting backstory, I guess, behind that, I guess, but uh, which we'll get into. But uh, all the bullshit uh, that we got to get up, get get out of the way real quick here is uh, we have a Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Uh, we are doing uh, three to four bonus episodes a month. They're really fun. We are covering episodes of Tales from the Crypt, uh, which has been a blast. And then we have some fun episodes planned and in the, uh, the vault I'm going to call it. Uh, I like that. We're going to be uh, discussing on an upcoming episode our 10 favorite films from the decade. I'm glad you uh, mentioned this because I, I was going to tease how much fun I think that episode is going to be. We're recording it after this. <laughs> it's going to be great. Psst, uh, Eric, don't yeah. tell them we're recording it after this. <laughs> All you fucking chumps are out there tweeting your favorite films from every year of the decade on Twitter for free. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're doing it for uh not a little bit more than free. Yeah, a tiniest so, uh, the tiniest bit more yeah. than free. Almost yeah. free. One might say free if you consider what it costs us to make this podcast. <laughs> yes. You know, I will say uh we do have some other perks there as well and uh the holidays are coming up. You know you love us. Uh, we have a $1 tier if you just want to pitch in. And you also don't have to commit to like a full month. You can do like $5, listen to all of our episodes, all of our bonus episodes, and then bail if you'd like. Yeah. But I don't think you will because they're good. Yeah. You'll want to keep up with the new stuff. You'll want to be... Uh, you'll want to be in on what all the kids are talking about when you go back to your high school classroom on Monday. Yes. And... You are in high school. Yes, and everyone who <laughs> listens to this show has to be in high school legally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're going to need to see those report cards. Semester is uh, coming to a close here pretty soon. That's right, mister. C's and lower only. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so C for I Chucky. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we used to be a Chucky podcast. You, uh, people know the drill. I mean... Mm-hmm. It, uh, so today we're discussing a uh, Stanley Kubrick film, Killer's Kiss. Uh, this is something fun that I like to do um, every once in a while for these films. I like to set the cultural scene, Jeremy. I like to, uh, especially in the year 1955, I wasn't born. You were 10 or 11 around this time, right? Uh, yeah. What, uh, if I was I'm a- doing my math correctly. Right. No, 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 I was a little bit older. I was like 25 years old when this came out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 1955, some of the stuff that was happening. Uh, rock and roll music is becoming more and more popular with uh, like Bill Haley and the Comets, I Elvis. I can't believe you're saying these words right now. How fucking crazy that a person is making a movie when rock and roll is becoming famous. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird. Um, Rosa Parks is arrested. Uh, consumerism is on the rise. Uh, the first McDonald's was erected. Uh, TV dinners are introduced into the world. That's kind of wild, right? TV dinners. <laughs> yeah, I do. Do weird. those? Yeah, I guess they are still like a thing. 
Oh, I've like man, you bet. There's a whole they have whole like yeah. three sections. Are you a of the TV dinner head? I use I was as a kid, like as a '90s kid, I was fed a lot of TV dinners. Uh, you know, when my mom was too busy being depressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I, I I ate quite a few of them when I was a, a kid as well. I had one, a specific brand called Kid Cuisine, which was just like, I remember it was just like spaghetti and like brownies and like, like just like no nutrition at all. Dude, those um, are like, very those, those are the good. wettest microwavable dinners in the world. <laughs> those things get fucking wet, dude. I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Disneyland opens in California. Uh, Fuck. I can't, I can't believe you're saying this stuff. This is crazy. <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Yeah. Uh, the cost of, uh, we all know this, but just as a refresher, the cost of ladies swimsuits was around twelve ninety five on average. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the films uh, that came out in 55, uh, The Night of the Hunter, uh, Est of Eden, I, I guess I uh, made a little typo there, uh, uh, Rebel, <laughs> yeah. Rebel Without a Cause, uh, Bad, which you might know from the, uh, of course, the Kid Rock song. That was actually a movie, folks, with uh, James uh. Dean, uh, Rebel Without a Cause. A Bad Day at uh, Black Rock. Bad day, and, black. Uh, I thought you were gonna say bad Santa for some reason, and I was yeah. like, "Really?" I don't know what I was saying. Uh, <laughs> Lady and the Tramp, Oklahoma, and the Lady Killers. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Love I don't it. watch movies from the fifties almost ever. To be honest with you, I would say like I don't. I almost never watch movies later than earlier than nineteen seventy five. So you don't watch a lot of stuff from the 60s? Nah. I I went through a phase where I was gobbling up a lot of stuff from the past, like old, old movies. And, um, you know, whatever. It's over. It's done. Move on. What's coming out today, Eric? That's what I want to know. What the hell is on the horizon? Why are we watching these old movies? What's the point? Um... You want to just stop and <laughs> do, do an episode on? I don't even know. I can't even pull like the name of a movie. Frozen that's out right Two. Now. <laughs> Frozen Two. Oh, okay. Uh, even Frozener. Even Frozen. Uh, yeah. Frozen so that's nineteen fifty-five. Uh, you know, a Frozen Frozen Dinner would be a good uh, collaboration. You know what I've also thought was bizarre is combo the combos snack. They do not distribute a combo pack. A combos combo pack. There's no combo combos. N- right. That is weird. That's like a given. That's like why that should be the first thing that you do if you have a product named combos. Anyway, this is a podcast about uh, <laughs> David Lynch, Stanley Kubrick. Um, so we talked a little bit about uh, sort of where Kubrick was at uh, when he when he filmed. Uh, uh, I'm already forgetting the name of it. Fear and Desire. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a photographer at Look Magazine, and he started doing these uh, documentary shorts. Um, so, Killer's Kiss is uh, was another film written by Kubrick and Sackler, which I think this is the last written by Kubrick we're going to see uh, in the entire Kubrick oeuvre. If I read that correctly, Kubrick oeuvre. Uh, yeah. <laughs> The yeah, Kuvra. The Kuvra. Uh 
uh, Sackler, as a reminder, who 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 also uh, wrote co-wrote uh, Fear and Desire, is known most for writing the play uh, The Great White Hope, uh, Pulitzer Prize and Tony Award winner. Uh, Kubrick like very nonchalantly just like throws him under the bus in, in, <laughs> in that interview about yeah. Fear and Desire. He was like written by a failed poet. Uh, oh, I think he man. calls him, and yeah. Yeah, he goes fucking hard on this dude. It's so funny and sad at the same time. Like, I feel bad for this guy, but, you know, fuck, he deserves it, man. He's writing shit. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, this is pretty good. <laughs> uh, if you're tuning in, uh, if you're skipping the Fear and Desire episode, don't blame you. All that I'll say about it is it's, like, pretty bad, and Kubrick uh, just famously, like, disavows that movie and... Tried to get it buried from existence. Um, yeah. I and mean, he, it sucks he, if you're skipping it, though. It's like the easiest one to watch. The full thing is on YouTube for free, but it's still like so hard to get through. Yes. Our episode about it was very good also because we talk a little bit about our history with Kubrick and, and st- stuff like that. But Yeah. If you don't care about spoilers, I'd say go back and listen to our episode on it, even if you don't just haven't seen the film because we'll just tell you what the film's about. Yeah, and then you could hear some two yucksters, two yodel chucksters sitting in front of you, giving you a film synops with some jokies. Yeah, there's a couple jokies in there. Um, yeah. So the film stars Frank Silvera, uh, who is also in Fear and Desire. Uh, I forget what guy he played, but he was in that movie. Uh, Jamie Smith and Irene Kane. Uh, so it's about a New York boxer at the end of his career and his relationship with his neighbor, uh, taxi dancer, Gloria Price, which a taxi dancer, I had to look this up, but it's basically, uh, uh, a, a dancer for hire. Like when you go out dancing or whatever, you can like hire, pay a woman to like dance with you if you're a sad loser. Ah, a dance institute. Um, yeah. And I don't know if there's like a more of a if a taxi dancer has more of a like that is also included like more of a sexual a sex work kind of thing. Right. Totally cool if it does. I don't know. Uh, I I kind of got a, that vibe a little bit. Yeah. But, can I can um, we can I just say I think it does only because like yeah. then this would be that classic boxer meets prostitute and they run yes. away together story, which is like a trope in film noir. So I think that's what they're doing. Yes, and her uh, her employer Vincent is uh, acts quite a bit like a pimp, I must say. Yeah. Uh, the film uh, originally titled "Kiss Me, Kill Me," which <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. I like uh, that. I also- like that name way better than Killer's Kiss. Kiss me, kill me. I got yeah, yeah. I don't know. It has more uh, like m- momentum. <laughs> I have a problem with him having two kill. Yeah, me too. Me, okay, yeah. Also about. that. <laughs> yeah. 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 And the killing is such a better. That's such a great title for a film. Yeah. Um, and um, we know this because multiple things have been titled "The Killing" after this. So. So this film, as Fear and Desire, was also uh, funded primarily through uh, some wealthy uh, family family members, family and friends. Um, not the same ones, though, as with Fear and Desire, because Fear and Desire like lost a bunch of money and was bad. Uh, but 
I believe it was someone else. He has like relatives in like the pharmacy business or something that like funded this one. Um, so Kubrick began to shoot the film with sound recorded on location, as was common practice in Hollywood. However, frustrated by the intrusion of the microphone into the lighting scheme, Kubrick fired his sound man. So that is why we see all the ADR. Uh, if you did not watch Fear and Desire, uh, it's like distractingly bad how, how bad the ADR is. I will say in this, I kind of didn't mind it uh, near as much as in Fear and Desire. What about you? Um, I don't know. For some reason, I feel like this one, I it bothered me more. And I think it's because this felt like more of a film than Fear and Desire. Fear and Desire felt like almost a weird ethereal Twilight Zone-esque. Almost like there was like poetry happening over blank staring faces. It's kind of like how the dialogue is presented in that. And they didn't talk a lot in Fear and Desire. You know, there's not a ton of dialogue. In this, there's like that whole scene with him and her in the room flirting mm. and none of the dialogue matches their mouth. <laughs> and it is insane to watch. But I, I also don't think all of it... Was all of it ADR'd? Was the entire film ADR'd? I, it, from what it sounds like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- obviously, there were scenes where they did a much better job than others. There seems where I completely didn't notice at all. So that, that I guess that is good then. I will say there are like, and this isn't strictly with this movie. It, it occurred as well in fear and desire quite a bit, but just in movies from this era. And one of the reasons that I like can't get into like fifties cinema or earlier is the sound design is like so um, hollow. I don't know if that's the right word, but it's so like I'm thinking specifically the scene where um, Vincent, I believe, is like being chased and he like hides in a stairwell and you can mm-hmm. hear stairs. You can hear someone running above him and like all that you hear is like just these footsteps in like a <laughs> like a chamber of like it's like it's as as it it's just sounds as if someone was like running in like a recording studio or something like right. it just sounds very like empty Ar- Ar- and there's artificial. no like ambiance yeah yeah um, i yeah I, I i i tend to agree with you there's something odd about watching old old films for sure something something is wrong and i think the sound quality has a lot to do with it i think yeah. that editing is really weird back in the 50s and pre 50s too like they cut at weird times and they'll cut like not on an action but like the character you're looking at will be in a, just a different position in the next scene like it, it's it's like it takes you out of it, like, there's so many things taking you out of the film the whole time you're watching it i guess yeah um, but by the way, before I forget, Jeremy, we do have to uh, do some ADR for this podcast oh, after great. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to bring uh, someone in for that if you don't mind. I've actually yeah. paid someone to do this for me. <laughs> yeah, because this fucking this shotgun, uh, this this uh, fucking uh, boom mic guy that I hired to do this episode is he's getting his microphone in the way of the shot. Uh, yeah, the guy I hired, he's just. <laughs> aimed at chicago but we're in la so it's like really hard to pick up what you're saying oh i thought i could hear like an echo of my voice (laughs) okay that explains it uh 
But uh, I, I will say I have been and a little peek behind the curtain because daddy couldn't wait. Uh, I did go ahead and I already watched Elephant Man. I will not say anything about it because uh, oh, it was my first time viewing it. But I'm loving all these black and white movies. Yeah. Uh, I do love a black and white picture visually. It's it's like very, very nice. It's and I will stunning, say yeah. with um with this film compared to Fear and Desire, like a lot of Fear and Desire was like done outside and when you shoot outside you're kind of beholden to like the light, the natural light and everything. Uh, a lot of this film is like interiors and at night. And I feel like you can tell that Kubrick kind of had more. He started like playing around with like lighting more, I think. Yeah. Like his own kind of like artificial like studio lighting. I think that's what this film is famous for when it comes to Kubrick's like his oh. filmography. I remember in the documentary them making a big deal about Killer's Kiss was the moment Kubrick started playing around with light, which hmm. ends up being a huge thing for Kubrick moving forward. So if nothing else, this film gave us the opportunity for Kubrick to practice all those cool yes. photo techniques that he learned out on the field as a photographer, bringing that into the cinema. Also, Eric, don't you think it's weird that... like? The first two Kubrick films and the first two David Lynch films are in black and white, and the first color film came out in 1939. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, why are the um, two David Lynch films black and white? I mean, that's just, I mean, I get Eraserhead, but Elephant Man? That had a major studio know. behind it. That's crazy. Yeah. That must have been like a novel thing for the 70s, late 70s. Right. I think it might have been 80 almost, too, 1980. It might have been 80. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It does seem like a very much like an art, like a... a what would you classify? Like a like an auteur? Is that the right word? I'm, I'm trying to describe like a director who's like very into like... Is very like... Artistic. artistic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, sure. Auteur works there. For sure. Right. I think, it seems yeah. like a very like I want to make a black and white picture for like my first my first one. I want it to be black and white kind of mm -hmm. a thing. Um, yeah. But uh yeah, so ballerina Ruth uh Sab Sabadka, Kubrick's wife at the time, was the art director of the film. She is also the uh woman that we see dancing for a very long time, uh playing the role of Iris. Uh Against Kubrick's wishes, uh, United Artists... So he did get this film distributed through United Artists, but they required uh, the film to be recut with a happy ending, uh, which I'm curious to know what Kubrick's original ending was. But um, United Artists paid uh, 100 grand for the film uh, and also agreed to provide 100 grand for Kubrick's next film, The Killing. Um... Let's see. In one scene, Irene was supposed to walk across 42nd Street, but a truck driver repeatedly blocked the way. Oh, this is crazy. I forgot about this. Blocked the way with his vehicle. Uh, the driver agreed to clear the area only if Kane would later meet him for a drink. Uh, she agreed, and the scene was shot. But to this day, no one knows if the rendezvous took place. Bizarre. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, the things that strange. women had to put up with in the fucking 50s. <laughs> while they while she's at work on a film she's shooting, a fucking creep asks her out and she has to say yes just so the film can keep shooting. Like shoot that guy in the face. <laughs> yeah. Um so this was try what I was trying to get at before, but I lost my train of thought. Is Kubrick also thinks that this film is kind of like a student level? Like he's not like super, wasn't like super proud of it, but he didn't. I don't think he like tried to bury it so much as he did with Fear and Desire. Um, it's quite a bit better, and but he's also right. It's it is yeah. not. Um, it is it is barely a film. It's barely. I think it's barely a film. Like in in all seriousness, it's it's. It is an hour yeah. and seven minutes long. <laughs> like that is barely a film. Um, the one other, before we get into the plot, the one other kind of like thing that I read about this is uh, he did not obtain like permits for a lot of, a lot of shots. So he would just like shoot scenes, exterior scenes from a car, just like hiding out in a car with a camera which I that's think is awesome. Kind of fun. I think yeah. that's great. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I don't even have like I will say I as much as I love movies, I've never I never have gone to film school. I don't know shit about cameras and stuff. So I don't even have like much of a reference for what cameras were like in the 50s or what he must have been using, but I'm picturing something very large. Yeah, it's like a really big like think about the iPhone 1. Like kind of about that, <laughs> okay. that size. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, the iPhone one, from what I remember, was about three yards wide. <laughs> <laughs> it was about like the size tall. of a tall of a tall car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you What do you say we get into the plot of this? Let's bad do boy? it. Yeah. Okay, uh, the drama begins with Davey in his uh, apartment room. I didn't even realize his name was Davey, to be honest with you. Uh, I didn't either. (laughs) Mentally preparing for a big fight against Kid Rodriguez. Yeah, the real hero of the film, Kid Rodriguez. Kid Rodriguez. I guess it's worth noting that Kubrick did do a fucking like boxing a sh- documentary short about a, a boxer, um, which maybe we'll cover on a uh, bonus episode. Or yeah, something. I, I mean, I, I, that's partly why the boxing sequences in this film look so fucking spectacular. To be honest with you, the whole film is spectacular to look at. Like any, mm-hmm. if you were to just pause the film at any moment. Again, just like in Fear and Desire, it looks absolutely stunning. And I wonder if like that translated to 50s audiences back when this film came out. Like I wonder if they were watching this and they were just like blown. Kind of okay, I'm going to make a weird comparison here. I know we just got started with the plot, but you you know Edgar Wright, right? Yeah. The filmmaker. Yep. He, okay, so you know mm-hmm. Baby Driver. Right, the film mm-hmm. Baby Driver. You know how that film like looks spectacular, but there's really. Have you seen it, Eric? I have. Yeah. Okay, great. So you know how it looks spectacular, but like there's really nothing to it. Like there's nothing right there of substance. Really, that's kind of what these last two films feel like to me. Like 
explosive looking films but with not like a lot of a lot going on inside of them and i wonder if that is sort of like kind of like when i watched baby driver and i was so taken with the visuals of it i wonder if audiences at the time were taken with the visuals of something like this of course it's not a lot of special effects or you know action so much as it is just like stunning composition but i don't know right yeah, I don't know. There there are definitely, we'll talk about them. There's some like very good shots. I think one of my favorites is like right in the beginning here with where he's looking through the fishbowl. Do you remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great shot. Um, so, yeah, Davey's mentally preparing for the fight. On the other side of the building across the courtyard, he gazes upon Gloria, uh, and <laughs> uh, an attractive taxi dancer uh, <laughs> getting ready for work. I was going to make a joke about, yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. Getting ready for work is they, was he like watching her dre- undress or dress or something? Yeah. He's watching her he's put doing on clothes, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> what a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as they both walk out of the building, they run into each other, uh, but say nothing. Uh, Gloria is picked up by her boss, Vincent. I kind of liked this where, uh, you see him, he goes down into the subway, she gets into some fancy fucking convertible car kind of thing. Yeah, and um, Vincent explains that who he is, who Davey is, which I mm-hmm. thought was really interesting. So this guy's a little famous around town anyway. Yeah, I like this guy too. I like this, uh, I'm already forgetting the actor's name, uh, Sil- Silvera, Frank Silvera. Right. I kind of like him in this. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's good. He's like, hey, see that guy? He's a fighter. We can go watch him on TV tonight. And it's like, oh, you helpless cuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot to talk about like the opening scene is is Davy uh, with some like VO. Um, oh, right. And I don't and like we're, the we're, VO. I'm just going to. Yeah, and we're up. watching him at. Uh, is it uh, Grand Central Station? Bet, it's one yes, of the. I think yeah, it is. it's Grand Central. And that's a, um, and that's a beautiful shot. And I love that yes. opening where it's just somebody waiting for a train. That's so awesome. Yeah. Or waiting to be picked up. I just wish that I did, crummy VO didn't come in and ruin it because I did not yeah. care for him doing that. I was definitely into that though with the the train sounds and shit too oh, at the yeah. beginning. No music. I was into that. Eric, you're about you're about to become a a certified train fan soon enough wait why did i say something else about uh, last trains? episode you're talking about model trains oh you're, shit you're talking about collecting model trains how cool that would be i am a train guy you know i've been i've been taking the train around town once in a while yeah uh, dude not when, even next time going we hang to out we should go like watch a train <laughs> all right get some brewskis yeah. watch a train <laughs> Like, 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 what, uh, what Wayne and Garth do with at the airport, but we're at like a, like a s- subway stop, just watching yeah. the trains and yeah. lawn chairs. We're drinking beer very illegally right outside of a subway st- station. I will. We did do that actual thing, by the way, in Wayne's world. Uh, my buddies in high school, we would go to the airport, the Green Bay Airport, and there was a place you could park where it was like. You could lay on the hood of your car, and there would just be like a plane taking off right above you. That's uh, it's pretty wild. Down, that's growing up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that evening, uh, Davy is awakened by screams coming from Gloria's apartment. 
as he looks across the courtyard, he sees that Gloria is being attacked by Vincent. Uh, he runs to her room, but Vincent has made his getaway. Um, yeah. And, and the attack is a kissing attack. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I would say like, this is a very mild, even after we like see the whole thing, the whole uh, thing play out, it's like a very mild attack. Like it's not, I mean, it's like bad and wrong, Mm. but compared to if this was done today in film, it would be like, I would imagine much more, uh, I don't know, like graphic or whatever. Um, Fist crashing into face or something. Yes, violent. Violent. Well, and especially in like a film noir boxing movie, you know, he'd have given her a shiner and that would would be a big plot. That would be like a big plot convention they would use is like her her scar, her like uh, her bruise. I will say that um, this scene between Vincent and Gloria is really stupid like it's very funny like he's just yeah. like baby come on you know i love you baby i'm mad about you and then at one point she's like i don't care and he's like you stupid girl don't you know i'm mad about you and i'm like why did you call her stupid if you want to boy you got your your game all backwards <laughs> like he does not I understand <laughs> i don't buy into his like authority over her at all like yeah. i don't understand that that dynamic other than he's like her boss or whatever but he's not like I don't know. I feel like it, like she should be more terrified of him or he should be more terrifying. I would, I two. just wonder if like maybe because of the time that this came out and maybe wanting to get like a PG rating or something that they You know how there's like a lot of implied sexuality in these films back in the day? Maybe there's like a lot of implied domestic violence also. Mm. Yeah. Like like even though the the camera cut, we are to assume he full on uh, center to the moon, but maybe not. Maybe not. Uh, <laughs> speaking of sending her to the moon, uh, Stanley Kubrick did his first uh, <laughs> fucking. I think this is his first mirror shot that we get, uh, which is very good. There's a couple of, like early Kubrick mirror shots. Oh, uh, are you talking about when he breaks the mirror? Well, there's one when he, I believe he, like, gets a phone call and he's, like, looking at uh, Gloria through the window, but, like, through the mirror, or we can see her, but his phone is, like, up on, like, a fucking dresser where there's, like, a mirror on it in his apartment. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I definitely remember the one where, like, Davy's handler or his manager throws something at a mirror, breaking it. But, like, the perspective, mm. it almost looks like he's throwing something at the camera. Yeah. Um, yes. So, where are we? So, Davy, uh, Vincent is not deterred <laughs> and proceeds to interfere in their lives. Oh, wait. No. Oh, yeah. David, David goes over there, comforts Gloria, and she goes to sleep comfortable uh that davy is in the room to protect her i think it's implied that they uh you know well is this no because i think they they knock boots after they kiss which is oh okay which is is that 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 is this right like this whole sequence where like davy yeah okay so in the wikipedia which is of course, incredibly short and not very well done. No, uh, there's like a there's like a sentence that reads, 
However, Vincent is not deterred and proceeds to interfere with their lives. During this sequence, there's a scene, like a collection of scenes where Davy and Gloria start start their like courtship where yeah. They're kind of kissing and having like some good convo. And at one point he says I love you to her and and she's like yeah. too she, soon, Doug. Yeah, well, first of all, too soon. Second of all, she's like, oh, that's stupid. You confuse love with pity. And that might be the best line in the film, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really good line and um, very poignant. And I really liked it. And then I think that's when they knock boots is around that time. Yeah. Um, I got to say, one of the uh, one of the prettier uh, uh, old-timey film actresses. I've I seen. also Fucking thought that. She Irene has a... Kane. Yeah, she has like a modern sensibility about her. Like there's something about her that I felt like I could meet this woman on the street today. Like yes. she had a look about her that was like, oh, like this is, a, this is familiar. Whereas like a lot of starlets back from the 50s and before... I'm like you. Pe- everyone looks like aliens. Like every man, every yeah. woman, every child looks like they come from a different species. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> and maybe they do. Who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. And also, uh, we get Gloria's backstory with like her family about how her sister was like oh, a, yeah. a, a good at ballet, and her dad. And we fi- we figure out like we we learn about like basically why she like needs this job and uh, has to put up with Vincent and shit like that. And this is all like uh, spoken over the uh, aforementioned shot of uh, Kubrick's wife doing ballet, which I have to be honest with you. I kind of tuned out a little bit to the (laughs) uh, backstory stuff because my brain went on this uh, one of its many, uh, fucking like internal dialogue tangents where I was just thinking about how weird ballet is. <laughs> uh, like ballet is, is, is one of the few art forms that I've just truly never understood at all, but I right. kind of like looking at it, but I also don't get it. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it, it's very beautiful to watch, but it's also and and, and cr- you have to be incredibly skilled to pull it off. But at the same time, it is like what it like o- opera is another one too, where I'm like, I get that you're singing right. music, but why like this? <laughs> it's silly, yeah. <laughs> um, um, and I also that sucks that you tuned out, Eric, because there was a huge plot point buried in that monologue where Gloria's dad, um, uh, well, he farted himself to death. <laughs> no, I heard that part. Oh, you did? Yeah. Okay, good. So then you, you get well, how that's going to tie in later. I will say, I was at a yoga class recently. <laughs> uh, somebody <laughs> sneezed. Um, but you know oh, how, like, no. right before, and this was during uh, Shavasana, which is, like, at the end of a yoga class when everyone's very quiet and uh-huh. still. Um, and, uh, this person, uh, you know how, like when you sneeze, you kind of, your body like relaxes and then you sneeze. Yeah. Uh, huge fart. (laughs) And and then just like giant fart. 
Uh, Huge sneeze to the point where, (laughs) like, I've heard farts in yoga classes before (laughs) and people just ignore it. Right. Um, This one, everyone was, like, chuckling. Uh, (laughs) I I felt so bad for the person. Oh, was it Uh, a, did you, could everyone tell who it was? Did you know who it was? I think everyone kind of kind of yeah. knew who it was. Um, That's very funny. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, Vincent is not deterred. I think we read that like oh four my times. God, yes. When they decide yeah. to leave town, Davy and Gloria arrange to get money. They are each owed. Uh, Gloria tries to get money from Vincent at the dance hall, and Davy asks his manager to meet him there as well. Uh, so yeah, this is like another moment where like. I just feel like there needs to be more like stakes between Vincent and Gloria. Cause she's just like, give me my money. And he's like, I could kill you. And she like her tone of voice is like no different than before he said he would kill her. You know what I mean? Like right. there, she doesn't seem like threatened at all by like the prospect of him, this man like murdering her. Right. I mean, the like, acting's not terribly great, but also you're right. Like, I think we're supposed to understand something about the organized crime element of this film that mm. was l- kind of lost on me. I don't think it was set up very well. And also, uh, Vincent is not threatening at all to yeah. me. So, yeah. The street uh, performers, though, very oh. threatening. <laughs> yeah. What are these guys? What, are, what, is, what is that hat? Because that's a like, Fez, right? Okay. Like from the that seventies show, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, a fez is like a hat that looks like that, and it is okay. Um, n- native uh, culturally, it is huh. uh, a tarbouche, also called a tarbouche, is a felt headdress in the shape of a short short cylindrical hat morocco ottoman era you know hmm. it's like it's like a they're co-opting like an like an arabic or a persian okay like um uh, thing I, I i feel like they were i think i feel like they're also warned to be silly yeah and these boys are definitely silly yeah they uh uh, if I had to put my money on it, I'd say they had at least one, maybe two beers. Uh, oh, yeah. At least. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I will say my, my f- favorite shot is uh, the stairs, the stairwell, mm. um, with the like checkered pattern and the uh, watch your step sign. Yeah. The uh, only problem with that cool. shot is that we didn't have a nice uh, joker dancing down it. Right. Yeah. I know, and there wasn't music from a like known pedophile in the background. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Gloria tries to get money from Vincent. Uh, okay, I already did that. When a street performer steals Davy's uh, scarf, he chases after him. Uh, Davy's manager arrives but does not see Davy. Vincent sends two goons out to rough Davy up, but they mistake the manager for Davy. Right. Kill him in the alley. Have you ever uh, seen the movie um, Snatch? Yeah, it's been a long time, though. Like, I probably don't remember any of it. Okay, so this film and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, the the original gangster uh, 
oh fuck guy Ritchie movies they do this very well this type of scene very well but basically what's supposed to be happening here is like a bunch of accidents happen in a row like mm. because davy is chasing after this scarf his manager arrives where Davy's supposed to be, but Vincent has sent two goons to kill Dave or rough up Davy. But then they mistake the manager for Davy and kill him instead that it's done so poorly. And so it's so jolting and weird that I, I, it took me a minute to figure out, okay. And now after reading the Wikipedia, I finally realized that's what, that's what was supposed to be communicated is that it was like a, a bunch of wrong place, wrong time stuff okay which is Um, i I only bring up snatch and all that to mention that that is a film that like it does do that very well where it's like someone's supposed to kill this person at this moment but another person's standing there and they end up getting killed instead because of blah 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 coen brothers also do it very well it's like misunderstanding people doing crime right um i love this alley i love seeing like the shadow shadowy like silhouetted figures like chasing this guy yeah that's the best Uh, shot in the movie to me i thought was the two guys walking down the alley and the other guy backing up yes and and drowning on the windows and stuff very clockwork orange to me too oh yeah yeah and and i think yeah, very, very, also very Coen Brothers. It, it felt like these faceless goons is sort of like a uh, an old an old noir gangster trope, but also yeah. a co-opted by the the Coen Brothers. I thought it was weird that everyone just like transitioned into like thick uh, Western Minnesota accents too. Yes, I know. Yeah, <laughs> they were yeah. like, "Oh, you're going down to the game? Oh, you're doing it. <laughs> that wasn't bad, actually." I've like grown up around people with thick Minnesota accents, and I I cannot do it. I'm not going to try. Uh, Would you hand me that bag? Bag. So I, can, I think I say bag. So I can like gag into that bag. <laughs> <laughs> um. So Vincent. Uh. Oh, I will say. Uh. The the fucking music. I actually like a lot. It's yeah, like it's not bad. Samba music or something like some kind of like I'm. I'm a dumb person who's like <laughs> not as cultured as I should be, uh, but it's like Eric. It was ska. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's ska. <laughs> oh, it was that was the band uh, Yellow Card. <laughs> or wait, they're not ska. Goldfinger. <laughs> it was the Tony Hawk soundtrack. <laughs> um, yeah, but but real good. Can you imagine if there was the Tony Hawk soundtrack? <laughs> Rage Against the Machine is playing while this is happening. Yeah, they're running on the roofs, and it's like, this is what it's like when worlds collide. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Vincent kidnaps Gloria and uh, has his two goons hold her hostage. Are we at the? Uh, are we on the roof yet, or is this after the roof? Mm, this, like is, this is this is during that, right? Oh, okay. I just wanted to mention that the roof shots look fucking great. Yes. Um, yeah. Very cool. I think I thought so too. Yeah. The stair, the huge stairs leading up to the fucking thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And like knowing that Kubrick didn't really have a lot of like permits at all. Oh, I that's wonder cool. If this was. He's yeah, just like shooting around New York like out. a madman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Davy uh, returns to Gloria's apartment and sees the police across the courtyard in his apartment. 
they assume he killed his manager. Uh, Davy leaves to rescue Gloria, but he is captured and restrained as well, uh, leading to a chase and confrontation in an abandoned warehouse full of mannequins. Very cool. Uh, love the mannequin warehouse location. Yeah, that is cool. Um, they're like hitting each other with limbs of uh Limb Mannequin. after cool. limb, just yeah. t- hitting each other, bashing each other in, legs, noses. Um, during the struggle, uh, Davy kills Vincent and rescues Gloria. Uh, he and Gloria are cleared of all charges by the uh, police. That's and Davey right. buys a train ticket. Runaway train, <laughs> never coming back. Uh, to the West Coast. Uh, at the train station, Davy assumes she will not join him, but at the last minute, God damn it! if Gloria doesn't rush in and they kiss. Yep. So the killer's kiss was a kiss from him all along. When he, the kiss he, gets he, killing... He, he, he killed Vincent. <laughs> He's a killer. I love the 50s, dude. You could just fucking kill a guy and then be like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, hmm. So, yeah, what'd you think of this movie? You know, not terrible. I, I've seen better film noir stuff. Uh, see, you know, The Maltese Falcon, Asphalt Jungle, Ooh. even uh, Casablanca, I would consider. You know, I, I think... I think this particular film does a lot of the tropes very well. It's a lot of beautiful shots, but ultimately is... Not very well acted and pretty simple. So yeah. it didn't, you know, it, it was, it's weird. It's like, it also didn't have anything like outstanding or fun. Like, it's weird. Like, like it, they were all tropes. Like all of the characters were like tropes of crime films. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, Eric, pause real quick. I want to know how what you thought, but I got to, I got to grab uh I gotta grab some Postmates from outside. It just got here. Uh, yeah, so anyway, that's why Jeremy is not allowed back at the uh, <laughs> Natural History Museum. Uh, keep your pants on, folks, if you're in public. That's all I gotta say. Uh, so, yeah. So, Killer's Kiss. What'd you get, by the way? Oh, I got some Zanku chicken. Uh, oh, murder chicken. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Murder chicken. It was, uh, <laughs> you know, got a little hummus, got a little pita bread in there. Very exciting. Dude. Zanku fucking, it owns. It owns. It's so good. It owns everything. Um, it literally owns Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, what, so you were asking what I think of yes. uh, Killer's Kiss. And I still uh, want to know. Um. Yeah. I thought it was uh, significantly better than my ho- my hopes were very low because fear and desire was bad, um, but I actually I I definitely liked this movie more than I w- ex- anticipated I would. Uh, I will say it felt very meandery and almost boring at times, but. I found that like when we went to new locations and like saw different things. Uh, I kept getting reminded of like, oh, Kubrick is like fucking great at like uh, 
making stuff look good on camera. Uh, and I kind of just appreciated the film for that. I think the story is like not that interesting. Um, and I didn't really care too much about, about it. And I wasn't very invested at all in anything that was going on really. But I will say that the, just the general like suspense, uh, in the last, I guess in like the third act is what you might call it. Uh, when they're like running on the roof and, and the chase is going on and, they're, you know, captured by Vincent and stuff like that. All that stuff was like as suspenseful to me as like your average, you know, like action movie or whatever you would see nowadays. Uh, I don't know. Um, yeah. So I, I, I got into it after a while. Uh, and I, yeah, like I said at the beginning, it's probably the length that, that it should be. Um, one could argue it could be a little shorter. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it was fine. I'm 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 relieved that uh we're kind of you can kind of like see I kind of like that we're going to see this like gradual progression it sounds like. I haven't seen the killing, but I'm expecting something like a step above Killer's Kiss. Yeah, I have seen the killing and it is a I would say it's more of a leap up than a, oh, than, good. a than a step. I would say it's more of a I don't want to give it too, I don't want to give you too much of your hopes up but it's to me it feels like okay this is actually finally a fucking film a feature length film <laughs> okay well i will expect the best movie i've ever seen okay. uh, hopefully wow. the killing does not shatter my interesting. hopes interesting um so jormy uh that concludes our Killer's Kiss episode. Next week, we're going to come back with uh, The Elephant Man uh, mm-hmm. by David Lynch, uh, which is uh, a film about a man who is an elephant. Um, it's, it's. I mean, I, 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 me- I remember watching it as a kid. I'm very excited to get back to it. I remember being really saddened by it, except there was those, like, those racist crows in the film that I wasn't super into. Oh. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, like other than that, like the fact that Elephant Man's mom dies and then they make him be in that circus, but then that he learns oh. to fly, I think was was. Oh, you're what... thinking of, uh, you're thinking of Operation Dumbo Drop. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. You know what? Yeah. I'm so- I haven't seen the Elephant Man. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. Can you believe that they fucking made another Dumbo movie this year? <laughs> yeah. Like, can, can you yes. believe that there was a... I guess I can believe it, too, but we live in a world where, t- like, t- movie executives are just like, fuck it, let's do Dumbo again. Uh, anyway, um, Jeremy, do you have anything you'd like to plug uh, before we sign on off? Uh, no. Uh, just keep, you know, subscribe to the Patreon. We got a lot of good stuff coming your way in that space and i'm very excited to get to this next episode we're about to record uh, right now little little spoiler yes. alert it's the best episode we've ever made so it's gonna be very fun <laughs> i've thought very hard about my list and uh my yeah. list is insane it is a lot of pages in a note <laughs> yeah just uh just a little teaser for 2015 favorite movie freaking krampus <laughs> um no but if you want to hear that episode and literally like uh a bunch of other episodes that were very fun to record uh 
fucking subscribe to our patreon patreon.com slash eric and jeremy uh also if you've never seen tales from the crypt before uh try listening try watching some episodes and like listening to our commentary uh afterwards because those are some of the best uh discussions i've ever had they're very fun uh and uh, that show rules. It's very good. So check that out. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. And Jeremy, I'm going to say our uh, classic Stan and Dave need wedding dates uh, sign off line. Uh-huh. Okay. Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Awesome. Hell yeah. I'm going to take a hot piss real, <laughs> real quick. <laughs>